I'm James Barry from Black Hats Gaming, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter count down the favorite RPG podcasts of 2021 as voted on by Ian World users. In the news, another TSR news update, Wizards of the Coast releases errata for multiple Dungeons & Dragons books, a release date announced for both the Critical Role Tal'Dorei campaign setting and the new Dragonlance novel Dragons of Deceit, and more, plus not one, but two brand new sketches. This week on Morse's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This podcast is sponsored by Hudson the Puppy. Hudson, for all your sitting, fetching, spinning, paw-giving, midnight barking, and bottom-sniffing needs. What I want to know is, how does a puppy manage to afford to sponsor a podcast? And how does it even know what a podcast is? For that matter, what is a podcast? Ah, uh, oh, never mind. All the tabletop role-playing news we aim to amuse, we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 ho, ho, ho. And a very merry welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ. This is our last full episode of the year because it's nearly Christmas. And with me this week is Peace Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Here in all my festive glory. Do you remember last week when I was slightly, shall we say, off peak? What when you had COVID? I was like, look at me, like uh... I had a mild COVID. Yeah, you did a COVID. I did a COVID. I no longer have a COVID. But you got better. I feel fine. Good. I'm on my last day of isolation. It ends at midnight tonight. Yeah. At which point I will be free, finally, after I think it's 13 days it worked out to in total. Oof, right. 13 days where basically I've been locked in the bedroom. Yes. I haven't seen anybody, single person, right. including yes. Sharon, who lives here with me. Yes. Um, I've seen Hudson. Yes. Which I, I'm not actually sure you're supposed to do that either, but I it think, was I think hard. you can see a dog. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen Hudson, but basically that's literally the only living thing I've seen in the last so, sort of 13 days. So, so essentially you've seen one less person than you normally would over the last 13 days. Um, yes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's me. But, yeah. but I have watched an awful lot of Sopranos just to make up for it. Nice. I'm now nice, halfway nice. through season four. Excellent. So there Excellent. we go. Anyway, Ooh. that's me. I'm better. I'm back. I'm alive. Briefly. Yes. And uh, ready to rock and roll, as they say. Are you ready, more pertinently, to do the very best tabletop RPG news podcast coming out of Southampton? Well, it's, um, yeah, <laughs> it's not one. Of, it's, it's, it's a uh, spoiler alert. It's not one of the top 10. What? <laughs> podcast oh, no. Who could have predicted such a ton of events? <laughs> I will do some RPG news, shall we? So, would you like to start with some TSR news, or would you like to start with some D&D news? Uh, I'm trying to decide, do I want to get it out of the way, or do I want to just, like, delay it for as long as I can? Let's rip that bandage off. Knowing it has to be done. Does it? Does it really? (laughs) (laughs) So... The TSR News Update. 
Yes. Last week, we yes. talked about how TSR yes. decided to sue Wizards of the Coast <laughs> yes. in order to um, get it declared that they own various trademarks and stuff by a court. <sighs> and in theory, although not in the lawsuit that they uh, actually filed, but in a later lawsuit, they in- declared their intention to sue them in order to get them to remove the legacy disclaimer of older TSR products. Mm. Well, that was that was what we did last week. Yes. This week, a document appeared. A document. It predated TSR's lawsuit by one day. Ooh. It's not really a lawsuit, this. This is more of an administrative action. So Wizards yeah. of the Coast have filed a cancellation request Ooh. for TSR 3's trademark filings. Is this how cancel culture works now? I didn't realize it was before <laughs> <Yes>. we had <laughs> Yeah. So uh-huh. basically, um, there's a, an assertion of fraud going on here. So what happened was when TSR 3 <laughs> applied I for this. My lap. If I start hooting and screaming with laughter, he's going to jump off, leaving me covered <laughs> in scratches. You want some? Oh, okay. Well, yes. let, me, let me explain it. So we mentioned last week, or Daryl kind of interrupted with a. Uh, no. update, no. breaking update, that uh, TSR a couple of days later voluntarily dismissed their own suit. <laughs> as, as you may recall. Um, that was because they'd, um, they'd filed it in the wrong um, jurisdiction or something. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure why they did that. And they have indicated they tend to revile. But whatever. We're anyway. not mind but, readers. We cannot hope to know what goes through the minds of TSR. But, but, but that was last week. So was th- this, this week, so, uh, we, we found out. So when TSR originally filed for the trademark request, yes. uh, trademark registration, yes. they have to indicate that to their knowledge... Those trademarks and the, the trademark symbols and the artwork and all that sort of stuff isn't being used currently by anyone to sell products. So when you register for a trademark, you've got to say, yeah, this is unique to us. Nobody yeah. else is using it. Yeah. Otherwise, because that's what trademark means. So well, and that's how the Frisbee Pie Company lost its trademark. So, yeah. So Wizard of the Coast mm. does, in fact, still use those trademarks oh. all over the old TSR stuff they're still selling on drive through RPG. What, Tons of RPG, it. the largest distributor yeah. of PDFs? Yeah. So, right. in theory, sort of, TSR 3 could sort of say, oh, well, we didn't know that. So it's not fraud. We haven't fraudulently declared that we're unaware of any usage of these trademarks. No, we're, no one's accusing them of being criminals or grifters or frauds. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, right. the oh, problem is, Who is when them? at the same time <laughs> they are complaining about the legacy disclaimers on those very products using those trademarks, right, right. obviously um, they are aware of those products. I, I mean, they might be aware of these products. They're just like really unobservant, like really stupidly <laughs> just not paying any attention whatsoever. Yeah. So, it so might be. Just... They just fail to see on the products that they're trying to claim as their own, uh, the products dressed that they're after. That's that. Yeah. I can't tell you that with a straight face. This is, this is, this is what the yeah. uh, filing says. So yeah. Second ground for cancellation. Fraud. Right. On information and belief, right. registrant has committed fraud on the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Ooh. Registrant obtained the registration with actual knowledge of the use of the TSR design mark with the services yeah. claimed by registrant. Registrant does not own the exclusive right to use the TSR design work for the services claimed. Registrant therefore obtained registration of the TSR design mark with actual knowledge that it does not own the exclusive right to use the trademark for the services claimed by the registration throughout the United States. That's pretty... So basically, they lied to you. Yeah. They lied to the trademark office. Yes. 
confusing. Well, willful misrepresentation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But as yeah. I understand it, for this particular form of fraud, it's not generally the sort of thing which gets people excited. I mean, they might they might end up with a little fine or something, but generally speaking, what will probably happen is the trademarks will get cancelled. Right, right. So it's not so like... Or the, tra- or the trademark registration will get cancelled. Okay, yeah. So fraudulent application for a trademark, and it's like, well, you can't have your trademark anymore. And yeah, and it, maybe you'll get a fine and maybe you won't. I don't know. Yeah, don't do that again. You're very naughty boys. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So because this whole saga has been going on for so long, it's been going yeah. on for like six months now, and yeah. anyone who jumps in probably hasn't got a clue what's going on. And we can't recap hmm. it every time because it just takes too long. It and does. it gets longer each time we recap it. So I put together the full and glorious history of new TSR. TSR. I wrote an article yes. with a timeline dated by month yes. of everything that has happened, yes. which you can find on EN World. Yes. It starts in 1974 yes. when TSR1 creates D&D, yes. and it jumps forward to present day. Yes. And uh, yeah, every every single thing that has happened in this saga. So if anyone wants a, like a, re, a, a catch up on it and find out what's going on, yeah. they can just go to that article and they can read through it and there's links to every single thing. So you can just read through the timeline. You can click through to read more detail about anything. And it's all in sort of meticulous research detail. So yeah. it's all there, all yeah. there in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can I- stick a link in the show notes to that. And then that's the perfect way to catch up with this topic. Yeah, I, I mean, to, 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 to be fair, then they're really leading into this. Um, we're stuck in a period 40 years ago, like with their comments on hateful comments on transphobic comments or their hate comments on Native Americans. And they're just complete lack of attention uh, to what the modern RPG industry looks like. They're not mm. concerned with copyright or who owns what. They're there to make games. Can, can you, did, did you, on your article, did you say how many games they'd made? I did. I listed all of the games that they've made. Okay. Uh, remind me, how many games is that? It's not a very long list. Is it a very short list? It's quite short. <laughs> <laughs> It's approximately equal to the number of people that I've seen in the last <laughs> days. Ooh, zero. I, th- I, okay. I tell a lie. There is one game uh, available for sale. Really? Which is some kind of kids' game, I think, written by Justin Lanasa's daughter about a pizza slice or something. I'm not sure what it is exactly. I haven't looked at it, but but I'm aware that it exists. Huh. I guess talent skips generation, eh? Yeah. Also, in other news, Justin Lanassa, who yes. obviously is co-owner of TSR3, yes, yes. Um, on his personal I website... I thought he split off and it was doing his own brand. Like, like Stephen Dinehart. Right. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Who, all of the really, really, really offensive stuff on Twitter, Yes. I'm pretty sure that was Stephen Dinehart, not Justin Lanassa. I think it was uh, Stephen Dinehart that was running the Twitter accounts at the time. Right, right. Justin, Fairly sure that's Justin Lanasa is just his mate sort of thing. Is that right? Uh, Justin Lanasa is with Ernie Gygax. Right, yeah. Stephen Dinehard was writing Giant Lands with uh, Jim Ward. Right, right, right. But, um, yes. yeah, so I'm pretty sure that that stuff was him. But they've right. never actually said, so well, there's no well, way no, to know no, for sure. To be fair, they have been very clear on this. It was due to their previous PR officer who's been replaced by uh, Michael Hovermail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Hovermail. Yeah. Well, those. Hover mail, yeah. Hover mail. <laughs> I can't, I can't yeah. Hover mail, right. But no, Justin Lanassa. He's a real who, person and exists. Yeah, so, yeah. but Justin Lanassa, who basically runs TSR3, yes. uh, he refers to himself as Sir 
Justin Anasa. Oh, when did uh, when did he get knighted? knighted. In the Queen- I'm not sure. I mean, I was I was, I was watching Lewis Hamilton get his the <laughs> other day. Like Prince Charles was there with the sword oh. and everything up at Buck Palace. Yeah. Um, I did not see Justin Anasa there. I did look in the background to see if he was in the line. No, but I, I, you know, I, I mean, obviously this American, we think, yes, like has done so much for the British crown that they felt the need to enable him. Hmm. Well, some Americans do get them. You get honorary yeah. knighthoods, although That's they're not allowed true. to use the term. They're not allowed to use the title sir. Really? Oh. Yeah. If you get an honorary knighthood, it's an honor, you know, it's a it's a civic award basically. Oh, okay. But you can't use you can't use the title sir. Oh, no, I, I suppose that uh, makes I, sense. I suspect that Justin Anasa does not have one of these. What? I suspect. I mean, I cannot say for sure. Would you accuse this man of dishonesty? <laughs> <laughs> well, how could do such a thing? I mean, there are other ways you can get a knighthood. I'm um, not a knighthood, a, a title. I mean, you can. I mean, obviously, he, you can call yourself what you want. He can call himself. Maybe that's his new first name, sir. Yeah. No. Or you know, there's like smaller religious organisations that sometimes give out sort of titles and things like that. It might that's be true. something like that. There's his local LARP society. They're always big on like, that, giving out yeah. titles. Yeah. Yeah. Could I, be, could I, be anything. I, I personally, I personally, or maybe his first name really is Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I personally would not go around uh, styling myself as Sir following an ennoblement from my local LARP society. But that's just me. It's like, it's... Well, it's, well the thing we, is, the way I see it, what is, likes, it's fine. I mean, people can call themselves what they like. Yes. But a knighthood, yes. in, in, in particular, yes. is a is a civic award, yes. generally awarded for, you know, services to charity, services to the arts, or military service. Right. Or, you know, or science, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a... It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a civic award. It's like, I think like in America, they have like a president medal or something or mm. something is their equivalent. Yeah. I don't know what they have exactly. But the point yeah. is, if you claim to have one when you haven't got one, I kind of feel that's like claiming to be a doctor. You haven't earned that either. Or you haven't yeah. earned... But I guess you can call yourself doctor something yeah. if you want. I, I, mean, I mean, it is possible. Uh, it's not like he's... I mean, maybe it's a doctor, Justin Lanasa. Hello, your editor Daryl here. If Justin Lanasa is going to call himself Sir Justin Lanasa, I shall henceforth be known as Reverend Dr. Lord Daryl, as those are all totally legitimate, real, real, legal titles that I have, according to the websites I bought them off of for 1995 plus tax with additional fee for framing. I should note that I am not claiming to be a medical doctor. My PhD is actually in metaphysics. That's that. Let's, let's jump on some D&D news, shall we? Oh, some actual news. Some tea and Dungeons and uh, Dragons news. Oh, okay. So, some errata came out. Yes. For lots of books. Oh. Curse of Strahd, DMG, Player's Handbook, Storm King's Thunder, Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, Yawning Portal, Tasha's Tomb of Annihilation, Volos, like lots, lots of books. Wow, that's a lot of books. That's not a lot of books. What is the mistake that they have made that they feel the need to errata? Well, it's not that. This is a this is a, ret- a retconning type errata. I mean, there are some basic yeah. errata bits, but um, the biggest changes involved here mm-hmm. are twofold. So one is alignment, yes, which they are removing from all race entries. Okay. So any race entry which sort of said these were typically X, yeah, typically evil, typically chaotic, or whatever, yeah. that's just that's just been removed. Okay. Um, which I think we all knew that was coming. Yeah, so they're moving from like sort of an original sin model to by daddy's yeah. no I mean, they've, been doing, they've yeah. been doing that with newer races recently yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah. So this is going back to the PHB and stuff and doing yeah. it to the old to the originals now. Yeah. So what, um, what I'm hearing is you're telling me that if I was to run a setting, I could not have orcs be innately evil. 
Well, you can do what you want, but oh. Wizards of the Coast is not putting that in their books. But I, I can still do whatever I want. Peter, you can always do whatever you want. That's true. If you Good. want to stand on your head right now, you can. Actually, I bet you I, can't. I, 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 I really <laughs> doubt it. Maybe if I put myself up against the wall, When I say maybe. you can do whatever you want, I in don't theory, know. In theory, in theory. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, 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 so people are... In principle, free. you can do whatever you want. In practice, perhaps not. The official line is that orcs are no longer innately evil. Uh, the official line, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, all, all, all races are no longer innately anything. Yeah, all right, fair yeah. enough. What about the angels? Uh, yeah, supernatural stuff yes. is different. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other thing is when it comes to things like the drow and the Vistani yes. that have had um, very sort of like... Um, Problematic. Ethnic stereotypes. There's a more specific word I was trying to look oh. for. Um, specific cultural descriptions. Yeah. yeah. Which has had some issues as well, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, but... Mm-hmm. Um, these 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 things are, are kind of being rewritten to make these these uh, entries less less problematic. So hmm. the drow reflects the fact that there's multiple types of drow, and the yeah. ones in Menzo Branson are just one type that's cursed by the Spider Queen. But there hmm. are other drow. Yeah, that's just one one city that is under the thrall of the Spider Queen. Okay. But that doesn't mean all drow are. Yeah, and the Vistani stuff. Obviously, we've covered the. Sort of problematical elements of that. I thought they retconned that ages ago, actually. No, I, I, I did. Curse of they Strahd. did a lot of work on Curse of Strahd and Tomb of Annihilation to remove the problematic elements uh, for the Vistani and also the representation mm. of the natives of Chult. Yeah, but I thought they did that ages ago. Yeah, me too. I didn't realise that. I didn't realise that was just happening now. Unless I'm misremembering something. Um, I'm unless sure it's been I remember that. re-reported or they've done something else, question mark? I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, so the executive producer for D&D, Way Winninger, mm-hmm. he wrote a little post to explain some of the reasons for these changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically he says, they're to better reflect the multiverse of D&D as blanket statements about races don't apply across all settings. Yeah. Like the Gorks in Greyhawk are totally different to the ones in Eberron. Yeah, and the drow in Eberron are also different from the ones in Forgotten Realms, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like yeah. so, basically. Well, there's no Loth in um, Eberron, for example. No, no, they're all like scorpion-based and yeah. everything. Space confusing. So, yeah. And other than that, there's a whole bunch of just regular rules, clarifications, and stuff like that in oh, the yeah. uh, in the, in the Yeah. yeah. Right, uh, Taldore reborn. Taldore Reborn. More than mm. Tell me more. So that is the critical role setting. Yep. So there's two halves to mm-hmm. the critical role setting. There's Taldore and there's um, Wild Mount. Yep. Wild Mount has been published by Wizards of the Coast. Yep. With an explorer's Taldore, guide. Yeah. 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 Uh, Taldore was published a few years ago by Green Ronin. Right. And is now being reborn with Ooh. a new sort of new version Yes, I think we covered that on the podcast a couple of months ago. Yeah. yeah. So basically, they've announced the release date. Oh. It is coming out on January the 18th. Nice. 2022. Goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you'll find it first at Critical Role Shops mm-hmm. in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. I didn't know there were Critical Role Shops. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Darrington Press Guild Stores. Followed soon after at friendly local gaming stores. Mm. 
And there's also going to be a deluxe treatment from Beadle and Grimm's coming out on January the 30th. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is quite exciting. Hmm. What else do we have? We've got the ongoing unhappiness about Kickstarter and their bizarre decisions. Okay, well, you explain that because I cannot, because I do not understand it. Yeah. And I literally just asked people on Twitter to understand it, and they started explaining it to me, and I still don't understand it. Okay. Uh, like, I'm not, like, really an expert on this, but I've been following some people who have said things that I'd largely understand. Mm. Essentially, Kickstarter announced that they were working in partnership with a company called, I think, Celo uh, or Cello, and they were moving to a thing called a blockchain. Mm. So, obviously, the first question is, what is a blockchain? And essentially... Delicious blockchains. Mm, yes. But essentially, it's a method of keeping a database over a variety of computers and making it quite hard computationally for anyone to make changes to the data. Currently, there already exist much cheaper methods, but this is a very, 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 very secure one sort of like bank vault level safety of things. So it's like, okay, I guess that is a thing you can do. Um, mm. The the problem that a lot of people have is obviously there is a lot of a lot of problems with this being quite an energy intensive thing. But often the reason you want to do that is to launch a cryptocurrency, which has, I believe I mentioned before, I have struggled to find a legitimate use for um, in any examples. Um, okay. So, you know, that is the thing. But, yeah, like, energy-intensive, potentially environmentally damaging blockchains. Um, but, like, that's as maybe. It's like, this This is probably quite bad. Uh, but Kickstarter's response has been uh, quite wild. They've asked people to send their complaints to an email address, which is a social media tactic to say, your complaints in public are making me look bad, so I would like you to send it to this email address instead to make this problem go away. And yeah, that's that's the thing you can do. And all their claims about being working with a carbon negative company uh, rely pretty much exclusively on uh, said company working towards carbon offsets and carbon se- sequestration. Uh, carbon sequestration, for those who are not aware, is essentially you try and get the carbon directly out of the atmosphere and bury it somewhere uh, where it can never come back to haunt us, which is... An untried technology, to put it mildly. So claiming that you're carbon neutral using this technology is, um, like, we're not talking TSR levels of untruthfulness, but it's like not, not what I'd say is a guaranteed thing. Um, hmm. so it's a, it's got a certain greenwashing luck, which is greenwashing being where you attempt to make your company look green without actually, you know, changing any of the underlying harmful practices, which are making it polluting. So. Yeah, it's just like a really baffling thing for a company which relies on publicity and people liking it to annoy so many people and then to just be quiet and not try and get ahead of the story uh, Hmm. and make posts that will spin and no substance. Hmm? I see. Yeah. So that, again, leads to worries that it is an attempt to move to making a cryptocurrency, which has that is much, much more environmentally damaging than World Hope because it's really hard to understand what they're doing. They're not really explaining themselves very well. Maybe they'll do that at some point, but currently they've suffered an immense reputational hit and it's a lot of creators are just like, well, this looks really unethical. I don't want to be associated with it. Mm. But that is a problem that there's uh, not a lot of places to go with. So, yeah. Okay. That's where we are. I 
Still don't understand it, but hey. Okay. People are upset because <laughs> Kickstarter oh, no, are doing no, no, something no, okay. bad. Okay. Yeah, uh, and, sure. and just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's less bad. How about that? Is that all right? Yeah. Excellent. I believe you that it's bad. I just okay. don't understand why it's bad. But no problem. Bad for the environment. I, I, I am clearly far, far too... I used to think I was IT literate, but clearly I'm no longer IT literate because I don't know what a blockchain is, a cryptocurrency is, or an NFT is. NFTs, I definitely don't know what they are. I don't explain it. Don't explain it. Don't, no, 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 no. I, I saw that look on I your face when you explained it to me. start explaining NFTs to me. Don't, don't, don't uh, do and, that. And neither will I sell you shares in the South Sea <laughs> bubble or tulips. All right, then. Okay. How we get on uh, Demi plane. Demi plane. So, you know, that was is that the... Like Demi Moore? That is Demi Moore's um, latest RPG offering, <laughs> Demi Plane. No, I was about to say I was about uh, to say it was someone related to Demi Moore, but they still got the same first name, not last name. The joke doesn't work, Peter. My joke doesn't work, so I'm not going to make that joke. That has never stopped you in literally any of your sketches. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great sketches. You were saying Demi Plane. So Demi Plane. Nothing so Demi Plane. Demi Plane right. is the new non D and D and Beyond D and D Beyond. Mm. Uh, where one of the D&D Beyond co-founders is the one of the lead developers on it. Yes. And they announced a while back they were doing a platform for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Yes. Then they announced they were doing one for World of Darkness. Nice. And as of this week, they've announced they're also doing one for Free League. And Ooh. all of Free League's assortment of games. That's um, quite a lot of the indie creators. Uh, they say anything about Chaosium? They have not said anything about creation, but I would not be surprised if they do fairly soon. Mm. So I'm thinking about who are the big, big people that they would try and, because they can't, they can't do Cortex or anything like that, no. because that is owned by Fandom, which owns D&D Beyond. Yes. So presumably Fandom are going to do a D&D Beyond. And we've covered their rapid licensing agreement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, you, I would expect possibly Chaosium. Mm-hmm. Maybe 2D20 Modifius? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm trying to think who else they might... Ian they might, Publishing? Well, I, I haven't They can pick up your three cheers, <laughs> <you>. yeah. okay. <laughs> I suspect not. Yeah, um, yeah Chaosium and 2D20 would be my two, um, mm. my two my guesses. Yeah. So I guess they've got sort of... Well, they've got Pathfinder, so maybe you've got like a more... Uh, yeah, so maybe you've got a D20 shaped hole still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, if they, if they wanted a D and D replacement, yes, yeah, yeah, the superior anyway. model, some might argue, mostly me. <laughs> <laughs> apart, 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 apart from one guy who hates us so much. <laughs> oh, the review bombing chap. Yes, goodness, he's awful. Isn't yeah. He? yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, Demi Plane is going to be making free league platform on on electronic. Items, not all electronic items, obviously, not on the toaster and not on your kettle, your microwave. I feel that on... sentence got away from you there, didn't it, Russ? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so free It's one league... of those sentences I started and realized I had no idea how I was going to end it. So, so free look are going to work with Demi Plane to bring what? Like character creation to an electronic? Yeah. Yeah. Right, character creation character basically, basically D&D Beyond. Yeah. As far as I can make out, it's D&D Beyond, but yeah. it's not. It's for other. Okay, so character creation. Yeah, okay, that sounds really good. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's some pictures. It looks pretty. It looks good. Yeah, I know there's like some apps for Pathfinder, which uh, I could use on my Android. And did you have access to it on your iPhone? For, uh, for no, it's, an, it's Android only. Right, right, yeah. 
Okay, so I was not able to access it. But hopefully this will be more cross-platform to enable yeah, more people to use so. it, yes. I would hope so, yeah. 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 So, yes. So, Dragonlance, Dragonlance, Dragonlance. Oh, what? I didn't even so see that. So, the new Dragonlance novels. Yes. I think we already knew that the release date was August the 9th, but it's now it's now been apparently officially announced. Why did we know that already? There was a placeholder page on yeah, Amazon or something, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, but the cover of Dragons of Deceit, the first novel in the new Dragonlance trilogy, is up. Oh, exciting. Uh, it is exciting. Late breaking news. It, Let's see this yeah. cover. So we've got a river, yes. and on the riverbank... Mm-hmm. There is, overlooking the river, a dragon, and standing next to the dragon are three figures, one of which looks like, well, looks what like... What colour is the dragon, Burfa. Russ? Sorry? What colour is the dragon? Brown? <laughs> 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 oh, it's the red brown dragon. <laughs> I don't know what colour is the dragon. <laughs> so maybe bronze, possibly. Is it bronze? Yeah. I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe, maybe. We don't know. Okay. <laughs> Proud dragon. Get out of here. But, but, but we've got... I don't know what his dwarf. breath weapon is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> know we've got a kender, a dwarf, and uh, a human woman on the on the cover there. I don't know who they are. And that might be Tasselhoff, or it might... It looks... Yeah. Depending on the timeline, it looks like it looks too young to be Tasselhoff. Well, I but think Taz is in the um, description of the book. As I yeah, recall. he is. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That is true. So it's that probably like the heroine plus plus Taz plus random A and other. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, cool. There we go. I'm Fish definitely going to be buying that. Yeah, boy. Oh yeah. Jumping straight back into it. Been a long mm. time. Yeah. yeah. Let's have a look what's on Kickstarter at the moment then. So. This is quite interesting. Vason RPG, Mythic Britain and Ireland from Free League. It's quite interesting. Um, it's for their Year Zero engine. The Vason RPG, I think, is um, originally is kind of like a, a, a Scandinavian setting, but it looks like they're expanding beyond beyond those lands now. So uh-huh. they're covering Mythic Britain and Ireland. So um, it deals with London. And also the rest of the British Isles. Um, I think it's kind of like Victoria and London, but the other bits of the British Isles depend on where the sort of prevailing myths are. Okay. I think. That's so kind of interesting. It's doing very well. It's, yeah. it's done like 300 grand on uh, on Kickstarter so far. Nice. Like how far into the campaign is it? Uh, so we've got five days left to go. Oh, okay. So what's that? Yeah, it's, uh, three... just about, it's about 400,000 pounds or uh, yeah. just under, I mean, that doesn't say what it is in dollars, but that's no. going to be like $450,000-ish. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to do over half a million dollars. Yeah, that's pretty respectable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. I like. I, I might I might ask about this one. It's got a lovely great big poster map or Mythic Britain and Ireland as well, and I'm a sucker for maps. Mm, good map is quite fine. Like, I do like a good map. Yeah, map mm. by Francesca Bermold. Ooh, Okay. Mm. Yeah. So what we got? We got information about the British Society, its founders and headquarters, a gazetteer over the sprawling city of London, a Ooh. guide to the mythology of mythic Britain and Ireland with a score of mythological locations across the islands, Ooh. a chapter detailing a number of mythical beings and some adventures. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Hmm. A moment of horror, humor, high tension and high drama. Hmm. 
Yeah, that does look quite nice. Year Zero engine. But yeah, so that's Alien Tales from Luke from the Lands. Uh, the art's not too bad. It's sort of, um, ooh, got sort of that mid-turn century look to it. Sort of vaguely washed out. Sort of like a adjacent to Art Deco. Maybe more arts and crafts, perhaps. Oh, that's a lovely map. Yes. The map's lovely, yeah. Nice, good yeah. map. So also we have, from Scoundrel Game Labs, we have Fae Encounters for 5e. 60 random encounters for the Fae map. That's a lot of encounters. Basically does what it says on the tin. Yeah. $15, $15 for the PDF, six days to go, it's funded. Mm. Solid, like it. Yeah, solid. We've got a deck of Ooh. wild shapes. Oh, yes, yeah. This is from Arcane Goods. So if you're if you're a fan of um, being a 5e druid, yes. and you need a quick reference. Yes. Well, it's like spell cards. Basically, yeah, but they're animals. Yeah, so it's like animal shapes has spell cards. Uh, What's it, 86 beast cards. So we've got 86 beast cards, and we've got 83 in an expansion deck as well. Really? So 160-odd. I mean, Russ, I I, I know for a fact that you're, like, intimately acquainted with exactly how many entries there are in the monster manuals of various uh, games. I haven't got got into the animals yet, (laughs) fortunately. So just just for a bit of background so people listening. So during lock, my isolation, I have been on the um, Level Up Advanced Position tool site. I Mm -hmm. have been entering the monster stat box. Yes. There's a lot of them. It's a lot of entry job. It takes a really. I basically feel like I've been doing it for about fifty years, and I feel like there's another fifty years worth to go. There's a lot of stat rocks. Takes ages, and it's kind of very, very tedious, sort of fiddly work as well. Yes, as you have described, data entry. Yes. Yeah. So I've gotten as far as halfway through the M's now. The D's, the D's on their own took bloody ages because there was. Demons, and there was devils, and there was dragons, and there was dinosaurs, and all of those had tons and tons of subsections. Nice. And G was bad, because that had giants, and it had genies, and it had little goblins, and it had mm. other things. Ghouls, ghasts. Uh, yeah, yeah, guardians, our well. name for golems. So, well. yeah, G was bad. Anyway, I'm halfway through the M's now. Yes. But, as you've just reminded me, once I get to the end of that, I still have all of the animals. Yes. And all of the NPCs, yes. which is probably about as mu- many stat blocks as I've done so far. Yeah, they're, they're, again. They're, they're less complicated, but I have to say I've been enjoying the monstrous menagerie's appendices because for low level games, you're like ah, for a bear, that'll cheer him up. Um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> or guards, like you know, all your like, little fiddly little CR one eight, CR halves. Yeah, that's where they all live. They're quite fun. Mm. So anyway, yes, that's that's what I've been doing. Hey, so the, also, dear Mister Tank Cop, you what? Oh, this it is... comes with a pair of comes yes. with a pair of cardboard glasses as well, which is a bit bizarre. So this is another Kickstarter. This is from Pontus Bjorlin. Okay. Uh, so it's got a week to go. You wear yeah, cardboard I... glasses and play kitschy RPG. Huh. Uh, an adventure on a poster for the tabletop RPG. Out NYC88 that comes with decoder glasses hiding GM info from the players. Oh, okay. So the GM info is written in one color. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you wear the glasses and then the GM can see everything and you can only see parts of it. I mean, that sounds like a... I mean, what if you need more glasses? 
Um, I don't know. Okay. So, dear Mr. Tank Cop, Dr. Zeki's Garments Part 2, the sequel to Free Willy is here. <laughs> After securing some of the heritage left behind by the enig enigmatic doctor, the characters enter a secluded area deep in the underworld to search for the second garment. Could it be the legendary headband? I feel It's that so cool you'll wear decoder glasses while playing. Yeah. I think that I'm familiar with many of these words. But, but, but when are you in that particular order, you're not entirely yeah. sure. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it makes me doubt my familiarity with said words, but yeah. But how, how are they, how are they doing? Oh, they're doing well, aren't they? Hundred and seven percent goal. Ah, mm. well, well, fair play, fair play to you, dear Mister Tankop and Mister yes. Bjorn. Yeah. You're doing well. I appreciate uh, that. We got Riddle House Volume yeah. One. Bum, bum, bum. This is four five e one shots with maps. Okay. Also includes twenty three monsters, includes adventures and handouts. Yeah, they've offered blessings, curses, diseases, and potions. Mm. Yeah, uh, scalable. Yeah, six days to go on that one. Yeah. Uh, it is funded. Oh, goodness, by over a thousand percent. Wild. We've got hand drawn tabletop maps for D&D or any RPG, one euro from Exploring Map. Mm. For one euro, you get five dungeon maps. Okay. Done on A2 sized paper, black and white, with random tables in the margins. Yeah. They actually look very nice. Oh, actually. Oh, I like them. Ah, I hear the sound of somebody backing a Kickstarter, even as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like these. Are these digital or are they? Yeah, they're digital. Yeah. So I have to print them out. But yeah, I yeah. do like them. Mm. They're nice. So A2, that's like four, eight sides of A4? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, not a yeah. pressure. Yeah. Uh, they look very nice. They've got that lovely hatching style as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and that's the Kickstarters. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty jolly. This is Moria, is it, Gimli? That it is, young Strider. Casadum, the ancestral home of my people. It's a bit dreary, isn't it? Dreary? Yes, it could... Use a little colour, and maybe a few less arrow-ridden corpses. Yes, but Balin didn't mention the arrow-ridden corpses in last year's Christmas card. Close, are you? Closer than kin, my friend. After they reclaimed Erebor, the Lonely Mountain, the Dwarven Elders cleared out these ancient hallways of orcs and goblins, and restarted the mines. Right, right. Legend tells us that in the Third Age, Durin disturbed a mighty Balrog, which drove us towards the Moria. It was a dark time. A Balrog, you say? Yes, an evil creature of fire and shadow. And you didn't think to mention this before we came in here? Well, it was a long time ago. Now Balin rules Moria. Does he now? Indeed. We return to claim our lands. But he didn't tell you the password. What do you mean? All that nonsense at the gate. Speak, friend, then enter. Balin didn't just tell you the password? I suppose it must have just slipped his mind. And why is the entrance to a dwarven stronghold guarded by an elven password? Oh, misdirection? So, let me get this straight. Balin, your king left Erebor five years ago to reclaim Moria, a mine inhabited by a greater fire demon and about a million orcs, and cleared it out. 
Exactly. And so here we are. And the arrow-riddled corpses? Oh, they do leave me slightly perplexed, for sure. Hmm. When, when was the last time you were here, Gimli? Oh, uh, well, I haven't actually been here. Not, not as such. I see. So, Balin never invited you here to Moria. He didn't tell you the password. And he neglected to mention this massacre in his festive missives. Well, when you put it like that. I mean, this colony has clearly been destroyed by dark forces. Every last dwarf slain by goblin arrows. You'd think somebody would mention it. Oh, we're a very private people. May I see your Christmas card? Well, if you insist. Wishing you well at this wonderful time of year. Please enjoy the included mince pies. P.S. Under siege by forces dark and foul. Love, Balin. Oh, I assumed he's referring to the dwarf spirits. And not the terrible Balrog and goblin army that Moria is famous for. Well, now that you mention him, I mean, I suppose that does sound more likely. So you could have sent help. Well, I'm so Rivendell, with the elves. He even changed the password to an elven word. Speak, friend, then enter. In elvish, how much clearer could he have been? You're saying he wanted me to return with the elves at my back? It's all my fault. I could have saved Moria. You should be ashamed of yourself. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool? Good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash Morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash Morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash Morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Ho, ho, ho. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Time to get to work. What say you, my little elf? Um, no. What do you mean, no? I regret to inform you, Santa, that we elves are on strike. On strike? You can't be on strike at Christmas. We'll make all the presents for the children. Indeed, Santa, that's largely the point. But why? It's the weather, you see. The weather? Yes, the weather. We're tired of working in the freezing cold. We demand that you move our workshop from the North Pole. But the North Pole is Santa's ancestral home and the source of Christmas magic. Is it, though? Well, of course it is. All the songs and stories say so. 
Well, putting aside the issue of an arbitrary geographical zone being the source of Christmas magic, it's still friggin' cold, and we want to move. Move? Where to? Hawaii. Hawaii? Yep, yep, sun, sea, and sand. That's what we want, no more of this accursed snow. But what about the white Christmas? What about it? It's traditional. Not in Hawaii, it's not. Why did you have to bring this up now? Couldn't you have mentioned it in the summer rather than leave it till the last minute? Ah, I was on holiday. Oh, yes. Anywhere nice. Yeah, Hawaii. Oh, I see. I must admit, I was thinking about taking up surfing. But what about the reindeer? What about them? Well, they're native to Arctic and subarctic regions. They wouldn't like it in Hawaii. Have you asked them? I don't need to ask them. It's basic zoology. They're adapted for the cold weather. Well, maybe you could use dolphins instead. Dolphins can't fly. Well, neither can reindeer. Hmm, Fair point. Relocate to Hawaii, eh? Very well. We'll do it. We will? Yep. I've already picked my spot on the beach. Get packing, elves. We're migrating. That's fantastic news. I'm so happy. No more shivering away in the Arctic North. No more being eaten alive by polar bears. No more eternal nights. Life is going to be so much better from now on. So you'll lift the strike? Absolutely. We'll be back to work in a jiffy. Christmas is saved. It's a festive miracle. Ho, ho, ho. Right then. Right. Favourite tabletop RPG podcasts of 2021. Nice. So, we have two categories. Right. We did a big poll. We got thousands of votes. Uh-huh. We have got two categories. We have talk and we have actual play. Now, this is interesting. Normally, the actual play votes yes. are like three or four times as many as the talk votes. True. It's usually a much, much more popular category. Yes, yeah, yeah. This year, yes. it was all about the talk podcasts. No. Lots more votes for the talk podcasts. And lots more talk podcasts nominated than usual. Right. So I don't know why, but yeah, talk, uh, talk uh, podcasts were a lot more popular this year. I mean, do, I mean, are we still talking about the same sort of scale of voting? Oh, well, there were more, yeah, same, same sort of scale, but right. balance, it was yeah. more talk. The really natural play. More talk. Okay, mm. okay. Mm. For the first time, and we're doing this a few years now, mm. and it's usually, you know, been overwhelming in the actual play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Wow. Anyway, should we do actual play first, or should we do talk first? Oh, um, whichever you prefer. Well, talk is first on the list here, so let's do talk. Okay. Uh, count down from ten. Do you want to alternate them? Uh, yeah, sure. Shall I, shall I start us off? Yeah, sure. Sure, number ten then. Okay. Coming in at number ten. Recommended has an exploration of the world of tabletop role-playing games, new and old, familiar and strange. One of the nominations came from Mal Moria, who said, A really great spotlight on indie games, interviews and discussions with creators, and reactions to classic games. Another nomination read from Schneeland. 
Despite the name, they talk about RPGs old and new, and contrary to many of other podcasts, managed to be both brief. The main content episode is usually between 20 and 30 minutes, but also relate interesting things about the games to their listeners. JWMUK said the absolute perfect combination of knowledgeable chat with designers to get under the skin of all those gaming glitches from the past to the present. Uh, with finally Thermal Satsuma thought thoughtful, fair discussion of gaming systems often taking the form of a post-game analysis of a short campaign or one-shot. We are talking about This is the Vintage RPG Podcast. Your source for the best in classic and contemporary RPGs. With your hosts Hambone and Stu. The Vintage RPG Podcast. Woohoo! Congratulations, <laughs> Vintage RPG Podcast, in at number 10 in the talk category. Bravo, bravo. Mm. So, number nine is one new to me. This is called Orlanth Rex's Gaming Vexes, which I love that as a title. That's a strong title. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about it, but it's an irregular exploration mm-hmm. of reflections on tabletop games I'm GMing or playing. And when I say I'm, of course, I mean Orlanth Rex, not me. Yeah. Because yeah, so that would be weird if Orlanth Rex was spying on me and then... Yeah, has Orlanth Rex does the... GMing or playing, respectively, then they mm. uh, they can uh, definitely do more exploration and reflection. So, yeah. yeah, so that is in at number nine. What's in at number eight, Peter? What's in at number eight? Ah, number eight, a contender from previous years. This is a podcast about tabletop role-playing game modules and setting books. Fenris 77 has identified it, has hosted by the marvellous Jason Cordova and Tom McGrinry. It's a podcast about mostly OSR supplements and adventures, with a host of a deep dive into one book per show. They cover a lot of ground in terms of system publishers, which is nice. They also do a great job breaking down each book they do, and the podcast has a lot of useful content in terms of things like how did it play, likes, dislikes, and other possible uses for bits of the text. Derek Keith, I said, amazing in-depth examination and analysis of adventure modules from the Gauntlet folks. It tends to focus on OSR titles with plenty of variety, and the discussion is generally system agnostic. Fun, useful, and a great way to expand a person's gaming horizon. Uh, it's the best way to lose yourself in a run a person could ever hope to find. We are talking about none other than... My name is Jason. My name is Tom. And this is Fear of a Black Dragon, an old-school RPG podcast. Fear of a Black Dragon. Fear of a Black Dragon. Yes. And I do have Fear of a Black Dragon. I'm sure I made that trick last year as well. I'm sure you did. I, I remember listening to it and everything. Joke is a strong word, but... It is. But it's yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In at number seven... Yes, yes. A Games, Hobbies, and Dungeons and Dragons podcast mm-hmm. featuring Nikki Jaeger and Greg Muriello. Yes, yes. This podcast is... Beholder to no one. Okay, yes. I see what they did there. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's in at number seven. What's at number six, Peter? Oh, at number six. This is a talk show delving deep 
into the dungeons of the tabletop RPG community. No tabletop role-playing topic is safe. With interesting and varied guests every week and candid conversation, it could just be the podcast you need to meet the real people behind oh, the screen. Wow. Uh, Master of Space has described it as a brilliant new roundtable podcast with TTRPG creators, uh, to which allows you to meet the people behind the products you see and own. Uh, art, pod streams, podcast streams, and a whole lot more, all since around TTRPGs. An unedited discussion that shows how the creators really are. Uh, and this is what we are describing is Macca Unchapped. Macca Unchapped in at number six. Exactly. Okay, we're now moving into... What's hmm. coming out at number five? Oh, yeah, into the, the top, top five, five now. I it's know. getting exciting now, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm excited. Let's do it. What have we got? What's okay, got? so in at number five, we have got a podcast which is focused on meta discussions involving tabletop RPGs, discussing everything from how to start a game mm-hmm. to ending a story, mm-hmm. the interesting aspects of combat, how to use music, and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also discuss ways of handling so you can, their ways of handling things, so you can find that your own by evaluating their ways. Nice, nice. Somehow nice. struggle through that sense. But yeah. I made it to the end of. Actually, I think I get what you're saying. They're like showcasing how you how you do such things. So you can try yeah. it for yourself. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So Maka the DM said, it's a really informative pair with great guests. Very interesting to listen to. I wonder if they're related to Maka and Chat. I am almost certain yes. they are the same person, yes. <laughs> uh, and Edakius said, <laughs> email and Nils host a wonderful discussion about different aspects of DMing and the guests they bring on have fantastic perspectives that have taught me some great tips about how to DM. Very nice, very nice. The next one's got an interesting concept. I like this idea. So number yeah. four. So that was number five. What's yeah. coming in at number four? Coming in at number four. This is a podcast by Dave Peterson. Each episode, select guests run through their RPG pop history and try to construct the perfect role-playing game. So I guess it sounds like it's got sort of a Desert Island Discs flavor to it. Yeah, okay. So nominator Frederick said, my favorite RPG this year has been... Frankenstein's RPG podcast for sheer audacious brilliance. Mm. Yeah. So a podcast all about taking different RPGs. Parts, yeah, parts of other RPGs and mashing them together into your own new RPG. I mean, that's In what, a Frankenstein-like manner. I know, right? That's what everyone does. But it's like, it's rude to come out and say it. <laughs> hey, Russ, I have a question. Yes. What's coming in at number three? Number three? Yes. Number three. Yes. You want to know what's in number three? I do, that's why I asked. As we enter the top three. We are entering the top three. 
Yeah. So this is a podcast by a pair of authors and game designers, and they talk about hobby gaming, history, occultism, chrono travel. That's time travel, I guess. Yes. Food, cinema, narrative, art, politics, food, yes. maps, Cthulhu, and in fact, any matter subject to jocular yet penetrating erudition. Penetrating erudition. Mm. Mm. That's certainly a sentence that you could say. This is writer and game designer Robin D. Laws. And this is game designer and writer Kenneth Height. And this is our podcast, Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. Yes, yeah, so this is Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. Right. Featuring two giants, according to Joshua Randall. Yes. Two giants of tabletop RPGs, Ken Height and Robin Laws. Yes. This podcast is by turns erudite, entertaining, and enlightening. The hey. podcast has a mixture of segments, some of which provide overt game advice and others of which talk about real-world history and historical figures and how they can be gamified, of course. Yeah. Even the necessary pitching of their publishers' games is done with a panache and a wink at the audience. I've listened to hundreds of episodes, but not all 472, and always return for more. Ken mm. and Robin talk about stuff nice. at number three. Nice. I mean, they are certainly very entertaining. I've seen them at a panel, and yeah, I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So number two, what's in at number two there, Peter? What is at number two? Coming in, in the penultimate position, we have a podcast about the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, writing, games mastering, and playing, presented by its hosts, John Herc and Seth Skorkowski. I'm, of course, referring to... Modern Mythos. Modern Mythos. Yes, Overgeeked, a nominator, said that it's where they talk about things related to the Cthulhu Mythos and gaming within that milieu. But they also branch out and talk about related topics in other games, such as the benefits of character death and writing for the community repositories for D&D, Call of Cthulhu, and Traveller. Hmm. It's interesting that number three mentioned Cthulhu. Number two hmm. mentions Cthulhu. Yes. I wonder what number one is and whether or not it mentions Cthulhu. No, it's going to be about D&D. <laughs> number one it? in at number one in the top yes. category yes. a podcast dedicated to Call of Cthulhu no. and other horror and Lovecraftian role-playing games mm. what is Cthulhu's it? popular it is it is a center for higher learning it is a place with centuries of secrets in its shadowed halls this is where you have come to learn the mysteries of the cosmos. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast. They'll teach you things you can't unlearn. Miskatonic University Podcast. Mm. Uh, Undead Domain says, yes. I nominate the Miskatonic University podcast because they are an amazing group of hosts mm. that talk all things horror RPGs with a focus on Call of Cthulhu. Mm. They recently had a host change and the caliber of content has been phenomenal with interviews being interspersed between main topics and riffing. Nice. 
So congratulations to the Miskatonic University podcast, which enters the Hall of Fame. Ah, Exciting stuff. Um, Who won last year in this category? Do you remember? I was just thinking I was going to ask you that very same question. I I will find out for you. There's an easy way to find out. An easy way. Is it perhaps referred to inworld.org, the uh, news website for which we are the official podcast? Unofficial. Yes. Okay. Unofficially official. Yes. Official. Unofficial. Mm. Mm. Top RPG Podcast Hall of Fame 2020 was what would the smart smart party do? Fantastic. 2019 was the Grognard Files, and 2018 was the Good Friends of Jackson Elias, which was also a Cthulhu podcast. Yeah. So Cthulhu is a strong podcast too. I mm. guess that's uh, got a large cross-party appeal. Yeah. Okay. Right then. Right then. Time for the actual play category. Actual play. Love it. Yeah. Uh, would you like to get us started off this time? Okay, then. So number 10. Yeah. In at number 10? Yes. Six friends yeah. go adventuring in this actual play Dungeons & Dragons 5e podcast. Listen to find out how they avoid a TPK this week. Mm-hmm. So Mike HD&D yeah. says... Fabulous bunch of guys telling a fun version of Storm King's Thunder. Strong storytelling, great characters, but the real pull is the strength of the music. They do a bardcore style previously on section at the start, and it's funny and fabulous, well worth a listen. This is, in it, number 10, in the actual play category... With our host as we traveled up high. Dice and desire. Oh, nice. Yes. So, in number nine. Yes. Who's at number nine there? Well, has recommended by Nate from Dice and Desire, <laughs> which I which I thought was a marvelous piece of irony, and I thought very big of Nate to do so. Uh, this podcast has been recommended for having a very old school feel about them. So if Nate, if Nate from Dyson Desire hadn't nominated them, then Dyson Desire would be in at number nine. I think Nate from Dyson Desire <laughs> had the nicest things to say about them, but we don't know that, Russ. It wasn't like it was one vote, was it? Was no, it? true. I, yeah. I don't actually know, but probably not, no. Oh. But anyway. It's a very old school podcast combined with classic UK humour. Nate's a big, big fan, and they need more than their current eight readers. Readers? Okay. <laughs> uh, this is Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast where ancient Brits play D&D 5e as they lurch headlong through the classic Paizo Age of Worms adventure path. It is... Hello and welcome to the Billowing Hilltop podcast. Thanks for listening. The Billowing Hilltop. Join us at our table for a mix of adventure, laughs and hapless incompetence. But mostly mm, hapless incompetence. Billowing Hilltop. Yes, yes. It does say whether these are actually ancient Brits who have been somehow revived and been taught to play D&D or whether they're I can't resolved. think of any po- other possible explanation for that phrase. So that is exactly what that yeah. must be. Um, yeah. Certainly, big shout going out to all our listeners who are listening in Pectish. Good good for you. It's important <laughs> to learn foreign languages. Would you like to know what's at number eight? I would love to learn what's at number eight. Yeah. Because according to Ligby... Mm-hmm. Or is it Nick by? I'm yes. not sure which. The cast dynamic in and out of character is sincere and sincerely funny. And the GM's world building is spectacular in the uh, podcast at number eight. Oh, yes. Yeah. In fact, it's a comedy D&D 5th edition podcast. Really? With a detailed original setting. Mm-hmm. Lots of stupid jokes. Yeah. A mystery or two. 
and some fumbling attempts at heroism. Tell me more. What's this about? This podcast is and has been in the top list before, I believe. I'll kidnap a thousand children before I see this intro cut. <laughs> That's the only part I'm going to leave in. <laughs> Dames and Dragons in at number eight. Nice, nice. Very cool. Mm. Coming in at number seven, this was nominated by Kurara Ara. It's a dark fantasy solo play BX adventure that is just so wonderfully executed. From the first episode to everyone thereafter, it's been keeping me on the edge of my seat. Consequences are harsh. The lore is solid and grounded, and the characters feel real. The DM miraculously manages to explain the rule system while keeping the pace of the story evening combat. They're absolutely enthralled. They're talking about Welcome back to Tale of the Manticore. Tale of Manticore. Tale of Manticore is a hybrid between a dark fantasy audio drama and a solo D&D RPG. The dice make all the important decisions and has a writer, the job of the person recording it is to interpret them and tell their story. Part fiction, part game, it's a story where chaos rolls. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Hmm. So, in at number six. Number six, number six you say. Number six yeah, is... An actual play podcast provides mm-hmm. a level, according to Ryan F, provides a level of entertainment that keeps you on the edge of your driver's seat as I oh. listen while driving. Interesting. Don't sit on the edge of your seat while you're driving, please, Ryan F. That's dangerous. Mm. <laughs> make sure you wear a seat. <laughs> <laughs> Staying in character and providing deep PC growth as the stories continue across multiple RPG systems, mainly in drama and horror. Mm. Also, yes. Rancid Ryan, I don't know if that's the same person or a different person, says they stay in character. It's impossible that there be more than one person called Ryan in the world. Well, you best not touch Mr. Knock. Unless you yes. find yourself Laws of physics forbid it. <laughs> they stay in character and run games almost completely in the horror category. They support multiple RPG systems and provide vivid story details and keep me on the edge of my driver's seat. Are you sure this isn't the same person? <laughs> <laughs> a Patreon to have a level of access to fans, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, Rancid Ryan and Ryan F, who both listen while driving on the edge of their driver's seat, and both are called Ryan, but are different people. <laughs> this podcast, uh, we play tabletop role-playing games set in dark worlds yes. and turn it into a podcast. Yes. Our current campaign is the Black Madonna Oh, the cult divinity lost. Nice. Oh, I haven't heard about cult for ages. Yeah. Uh, this will get complicated uh, very, very rapidly, um, unless um, you understand um, a little bit who I am. Um, you can call me. Uh, Budanova, Budanova, Bukowski. I, uh, I hunt. Red Moon Roleplaying. Get in. Well, fair play mm. to you. 
Yeah. Okay, we're into the top five. We are into the top five. This was nominated by uh, Dakaius. Has a lovely blend of fun and sexy in a D&D package. Uh, this podcast has a wonderful, charismatic cast, and the story they've told so far has been a delight. This Ooh, is- what is it? It's Roll for Romance, a sexy, silly podcast where romance meets Dungeons and Dragons. This 5th edition D&D real play podcast takes listeners on a fantastic adventure filled with magic, romance, and all the innuendos you could ever ask for. Mm. Hey, Russ. All the innuendos I could ever ask for. I know who's that, though. Oh, sorry, you were saying. Tell me, Russ. Yes. Uh, we're, we're almost there. We're climbing the great peaks of the most popular podcasts that we have people voting for. Who, Russ, who is coming in at number four? Well, this one is an actual play podcast, really? obviously, because it's the actual play category. That makes a lot of sense, yes. <laughs> Covering Call of Cthulhu, yes. Tales from the Loop and Others, Yeah, uh, by Andy Goodman from Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks, and a Ooh. rotating cast of gaming luminaries. Wow. At number four. Yes. Is. Yes. Grizzly Peaks Radio. Oh, nice. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, then we're into the top three. Huh? We it's are, getting exciting now. We, I, I'm so excited. The air's getting thin up here. Yeah. Woo. It's a long way down. Yeah. Long way down. Who's it number three, Peter? Who is it? Who is it? Tell me. I cannot wait any longer. Tell me now. Oh, first I can see your house from here. Um, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, this podcast has enjoyed a couple of nominations it's described as featuring an extensive and growing category of quality character-driven adventures in various compelling settings the phenomenally talented producer or keeper leads an equally talented diverse and inclusive group of storytellers and players the heart and dedication sometimes insanity shows in every episode from this production's wildly creative and varied scenarios call of cthulhu to aliens the delta green to the upcoming Coriolis and Vampire the Masquerade campaigns. Highly recommended. It's also been described as a brilliant long-form actual play of established campaigns. Rich character backstory. Forward development shows how much the Keeper and the players are devoted to the craft of their story. On top of two long-form weekly releases. And can I say, two long-form weekly releases a week? These people are immense. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Love it. There are side quest episodes that give listeners a taste of our systems that show spectacular diversity. With news of the upcoming third campaign, that this show cannot be recommended more. This is. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the seventh edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. My name is Michael Dent, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. The Old Ways Podcast. Yay! An actual play devoted to Call of Cthulhu. Get yeah, in. Yeah, so the last one mentioned Call of Cthulhu. This one mentions Call of Cthulhu. Does the next one mention Call of Cthulhu, number two? Can we keep the streak alive? I don't know. You tell me. 
A Call of Cthulhu comedy horror podcast what? riding through the American Old West. Yeah. Saddle up as we turn femurs into mist and canteens into grenades. Mm. Tombstone meets the thing meets the adventure zone. Nice. Doubtful meat said. The production value <laughs> is like warm honey in your ear hole. Mm. It's heartwarming and funny, but doesn't put its punches with lingering, grim, cosmic undertones. Mm. It takes you and the posse down a truly dark path. Finale alone is a must-listen. Spellbinding in its descriptions, the players are on fire, and the keeper knows just what buttons to push, all combining into an unholy alliance of mirthful, dark horror. This is a must-listen for anyone craving some Old West lace with Lovecraft. It won't disappoint. This is at number two. Ain't Slayed Nobody is a Call of Cthulhu podcast with violent themes and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. The Ain't Slayed Nobody podcast. Fantastic. I guess that is pretty impressive. Can Call of Cthulhu continue its domination of the charts, both for talk podcasts and for actual play? Well, I guess I'll just have to talk to you about number one, and we can find out. This podcast... Spoilers, no. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> You're just the worst. <laughs> uh, this podcast came in second place in 2019 and third place in 2020 and must be nominated again. And this year, this year, Crip81, you were correct to nominate it for it is the year. For- Sweden roles. Four actors playing the best of Swedish RPGs while Sweden's most appreciated and experienced podcast GMs. They're always very entertaining, exciting, professional, mostly Swedish RPGs, but also some D&D from Finland's Coriolis, Faison, and now with their, now with their Baldur's Gate campaign. So, bravo to Sweden's roles. Actual play top 10 podcast 2021 has recommended and voted for by listeners of Ian World. Well yes. done. So that is Sweden Rolls and Miskatonic University podcast. Yeah, who are um, I, entering the Hall of Fame. Yeah, both both Miskatonic University and Sweden Rolls are both entering the Hall of Fame, which means they won't be eligible in future years, but yes. they will be joining the Hall of Fame. Yes, and I also want to say this is clearly a, a banner year for Cthulhu, mm. who dominated the top five in both categories. Yes, and scooped it for the top ten talk, narrowly mm. pipped on the. And to narrowly pip on yeah. the actual play. So yeah, this is this is good time. So yeah. Yeah. So well done everybody. Congratulations. Bravo, bravo. Yes. Yeah. And that's it. I think we're done for this week. Are we done? And the year, in fact. We're done for the year. What about it? Mmm. Right. Apparently I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, 
you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, that's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Oh, well, I can do the singing again, if you like. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. That's perfect. That's so much better than the last time you did it. That's great. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs>